Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This podcast is sponsored by Royal London, who, as proud sponsors of One Day Cricket, are also the UK's largest mutual life pensions and investment company, providing financial services to millions of people across the country. To find out more, visit www.royallondon.com. Welcome to the MS Inside Cricket. I'm Simon Hughes. Thinking back to that amazing day at the Oval yesterday when the Alley Cats, I suppose you'd call them, of Pakistan, beat the Lions of One Day Cricket India so comprehensively. 180 run victory. What an amazing day it was for Pakistan. And what a sad day it was for you, Simon, man. <laughs> after your uh, predictions and, and also your low light of the week. Let's, let's hear your low light of the week a couple of weeks ago. Their fielding was, was awful. Uh, their, their death bowling was appalling. They were flogged all round the ground. And their batting was nondescript as well. They, if you look down their lineup, you think, well, who is going to... Who is going to hurt us? You go down 1 to 11, I would suggest you know, no one, uh, probably Babar Azam could give you a little pinch on the shoulder, but that, that's just about it in terms of, of players who can, who can really hurt you. They, they are, they are a, a, a pale imitation. Now, what have you got to say? Well, it was all true at the time, wasn't it? You can only go on what you see. In that opening match against India, they were dreadful. They looked like a side that wouldn't win you know, an under-15s 2020 tournament, let alone yeah. an ICC One Day International tournament, they were they were absolutely dreadful. But they managed to change things, didn't they? they a couple of changes. Wahab Riaz in that match was injured. He went. In came Janay Khan. That made a huge difference. Out went Shazad. In came Fakazaman. And what a difference he made. I mean, he did have some luck at times, but absolutely stunning. And it, and it does totally throw the opposition off-balance, doesn't it, a player like that? Because I was interested in the way that India approached it. And when you get a player who's a bit of a squashbuckler, a bit of a chancer, like Fakazaman obviously is, and we've seen him in the, the previous games, you know, sliding it over the keeper's head and going down the wicket to the quick bowlers and slapping it over their heads and so on, it does slightly put you off as a bowler and you sort of think, well, should I try and negate his strengths by bowling at his body or should I try and get him out? And I think India made the mistake, primarily, of trying to negate his strengths by bowling tight into his body, both the seamers and, to a lesser extent, the spinners, rather than actually going for wickets and bowling normally and trying to get an edge. The one ball they bowled in the right spot for a wicket, Bumrah, it's a no ball. He gets the edge and it's a no ball. And I, I thought, actually, that India sort of missed a trick there by just not bowling normally to a guy who probably isn't that good outside off stump initially. Well, not many people are. 
Even Coley isn't, as we saw. Mm. So I think they went a bit on the negative defensive side in the end. The spinners all bowled into his pads because they were worried about being flayed through the offside. Didn't ever seek any spin. There was a slip in place that was completely redundant. And it, the sort of, they sort of played into Fakas Aman's hands. I mean, obviously it was a brilliant innings. And I love the way that he responded to that run out, especially. And instead of going into his shell, he took the spinners to the cleaners. But I think India were strangely reluctant to, to, to be positive. And, you know, in a way, Pakistan stole the positive sort of vibes of the day. Mm. It's amazing those instants, though, aren't they? I mean, you can think about you know, the broad strokes of a, of a, of a competition and the, and the way you progress. But those instants, that no ball, yeah. was on three runs at the time, that drop catch at Cardiff. Tissero Pereira's incredible drop catch that, that basically cost Sri Lanka victory. I mean... Incidents. It's it's a, sometimes it's about incidents, isn't it? Rather than the, those big things like oh, they've made a change at the top of the order, they brought in a different boulder. It's just those very small margins. And and, and it's grabbing the moment as well, isn't it? And uh, you know, I, another particular moment that I love, never mind the Mohammed Amir brilliant bowling, was Shadab Khan, the leg spinner, eighteen years old. Eighteen. Now, what English team would ever put an eighteen-year-old into a final? We just don't do it, do we? No. And not only that, but he took a brilliant catch—the the catch of Coley, which was quite a tricky catch—and mm. he took it well and confidently. And then to bowl as he did to Yuvraj Singh, not only completely deceived him with his googly, which was beautifully pitched just outside off stump, spun across him, and Yuvraj went for the big drive and missed it. But then the next ball to bowl the perfect leg break hit him just pad first, marginal. And immediately he goes for the review when it's given not out. Immediately. 18. Mm. And he says, I'm, that was a pad first, definitely. You can see it in his lip reading. And he went for the review, and he was right. And it was an LBW, brilliant bit of cricket by Pakistan. They totally deserved it. Yeah, because you, it's easy just to go, oh, no, I'm not sure about that. I'm, I'm really not sure as a bowler. But he was, he was pointing, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's definitely how we must review it. And to, to, have, to have that confidence at that age well, shows he, you know, he has got something. It, it was such a, I mean, it was tight for umpire's call as well, wasn't it? Whether it was just in line or just umpire's call on, on, on line on off stump. But, uh, I mean, that was, a, perhaps the game was already done then, do you think? In a, in a way, Amir's, oh, yes. th- Amir's three wickets, that, yeah. that, that was, that was, that's what broke it open. Obviously, the game was done, but you know, you, they could have made it more of a contest, at, at least. But yeah, I mean, the game was done with Amir taking out Kohli, obviously, as, as well as Rohit Sharma. And then the third wicket of Darwin, it just, their, their innings was in tatters. And the three sort of leading run scores of the tournament, all back in the half, mm-hmm. phenomenal performance. What, a, what an incredible story... Amir is really because you know we all know about the no ball and the match fixing stuff and all that. Of course, the court case was down the road, mm. just just down the road from the Oval at, at Southwark, I think. So, you know, sort of a, an odd juxtaposition of high success and terrible dejection, really. I spoke to him afterwards, and I, I sort of said, you know, you. You've had some lows in this country. Now, you, now you've had some highs. It's, he didn't focus on the lows at all. He just <laughs> completely ignored that question. You, you can understand that, can't you? He, he wants to draw that. Veil over yeah, he wants to put that completely behind him. I mean, is he is he as good now as he was then? That's a good question. Uh, I, I think he's better, and I think he's better for one little reason, uh, and that is that it's a technical thing. When he was bowling here last year, he was bowling a little bit wider the crease. 
and angling the ball mainly across towards the slips to the right-handers. And you might remember, I mean, for instance, Joe Root at Old Trafford made it that brilliant 250, and he just kept easing the ball through the covers. And really, I mean, he never managed to get the ball to shape back into the right-handers. And in fact, I had a bit of a chat with some of the coaching staff of Pakistan. And, you know, I pointed that out stupidly. I just said, oh, I noticed that about Mohamed Amir. And I now notice, and I'm not saying it was my influence, but it's something he's clearly learnt to go in a bit closer to the stumps, just a little bit, about four inches, something like that. And it's enabled him to get the ball to swing back to the right-handers and it makes him much more dangerous. Well, we have to get something right after our Champions Trophy well, predictions. you know, you think, <laughs> you think actually that, I, I mean, I was woeful um, in, in the Champions Trophy, but possibly even worse than you. I, I chose a best 11 and hardly any of them actually had a good tournament. Uh, I had one to watch for each team in the Cricketer magazine. Most of them were a dismal failure, notably Jason Roy. Uh, so it's been an extraordinarily difficult tournament for predictions, hasn't it? I mean, we should, we should just go to your dog. <laughs> Pepper should be, uh, be predicting things from now on, I think. I mean, it probably is because the, the tournament is short and sharp, isn't it? Yeah. If you play it over a long time... You're, you probably are going to get, I don't mean, probably in the next World Cup, for example, everyone's going to play everyone. Mm. And over nine group matches, you really are going to get the best four teams in the semi finals. I mean, for example, Bangladesh in the semi finals. Well, I thought they were thrashed three times <laughs> and they had one. They had one good result, but they'll probably look back on it, or their fans will look back on it as being a success. They made the, the semi-finals, but they had one good win. They were thrashed by England, they were thrashed by India in the semi-final, and they were thrashed by Australia, but the rain saved them. Yeah, and of course Australia, meanwhile, were very unlucky with the rain, yeah. so the short tournament again played against them. I, th- I think the other thing is that all the teams in one-day cricket are all quite even in a way now. You know, Even Sri Lanka challenged Pakistan in that last group game and they beat India so you know all these teams are sort of fairly on a, on a level playing field the 50 over competition as well doesn't really allow for a bad performance you know you decline to 20 for four you're gone pretty much mostly I know in one case in, in Bangladesh's case they came back from that but in most cases in 50 over cricket if you get you know, you lose your four or five wickets in, in the first 10-15 overs it's hard to come back from that in a test match Obviously, you've got the second mm. innings. So the better team will more often win a test match than it will a 50-over match. And obviously, 20 overs is even more of a lottery. So the, 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 the format does allow for unusual results, especially in a short tournament. Yeah, well, I, I thought Australia would win the tournament. I tipped them at the yeah. start. Although, I, yeah. uh, to be fair, I did say I thought there were, there were four obvious semi-finalists. England, yeah. India, Australia... And, and South Africa. And yeah. I wasn't really sure it was going to win, but if you had pressed me, I'd, I'd said Australia. What, what about England? I mean, they, they beat Pakistan 4-1 in a one-day series here last season. Uh, Pakistan conceded a world-record one-day score. I had a look at the, that match, actually, this morning, and six members of Pakistan's Champions Trophy side played in that game, including Amir and Hassan Ali, who was the bowler of the tournament. They went for 144 for two in 20 overs between them. So, I mean, they, you can understand why it, yeah. it, was, it seemed so unlikely that they would do well in this tournament, and, especially after that first performance. And, well. and you also thought, you could see why England would do well, because yeah. they seemed to be reaching a, a peak roundabout at the right time. They'd just beaten South Africa in a, quite a tough, hard-fought series. They'd obviously played well the first couple of games in the 
Champions Trophy. They'd hum- hammered Australia, really, in the end. So you could see why we thought they would win that semi-final fairly comfortably. Is one of the conclusions from this that England had a bad day against Pakistan? Don't move your ship off course. Just go with what you were doing. Because you know, Pakistan had a bad day against India, but they still went on to win the tournament. Does, does one bad game mean you need to rethink or I mean do England do, do need to rethink something yeah I, I think I think England just didn't didn't read the pitch very well actually uh, on that particular day I think they tried to play their own sort of muscular brand of, of power hitting and it just wasn't that kind of pitch and I, I make no excuses about the pitch it's the same for both teams it wasn't a particularly bad pitch it was just not the same as they're used to and actually I think that one day players, especially in England, have become a bit conditioned to hitting the ball on the up, delivered by either a bowling machine or the sidearm, which is the that sort of dog stick that a lot of the coaches use. That's coming from about nine feet, and that's bouncing the ball up, sort of waist high between the knee and the waist high, and they're hitting those on the up. And that's what they've become very conditioned to do. So you play at the oval, lovely, comes onto the bat beautifully, bounces about stump high. They're very good at hitting those kind of balls for fours and sixes. Soon as the ball skids through a little bit lower, just you know, maybe holds in the pitch or keeps a bit lower, it's harder for them to, to play those kind of shots. So you have to be a little bit more flexible, a little bit more adaptable, work the ball around, open the face, use your wrists, be a bit defter. Joe Root, excellent at doing that, was playing very well at Cardiff, looked you know, the best of England's batsmen. The others, most of the others, are a bit more bludgeoners, mm. and I think they just found the going hard. That's not to take away from the fact that Pakistan bowled superbly. I mean, there was hardly a loose ball in that whole 50 overs. The left arm of Junaid Khan, the right arm of Hassan Ali, even the, the bloke who was making his debut, race was was absolutely on the spot. And I, I remember watching that thinking, I don't see how they can get runs here without trying something. And the bowlers just ground England down. I think they were a bit negative against the spinners. Those spinners don't turn the ball and they were sort of playing for the turn. And that yeah, was a little bit uh, disappointing. But overall, I think Pakistan just bowled so well and England just misread the pitch, actually. What about the whole issue of Jason Roy? Uh, Alex Stewart was with us uh, on Test Match Special yesterday yeah. during the final and, and made a point about Roy that you know he was told he was going to play throughout the tournament by Owen Morgan at the start. And then when push came to shove, when it came to the, the, the semi-final, the knockout, he was dropped. And you could say, you could argue, well, that's fair enough because he wasn't in, in great form. There's Johnny Bairstow to come in, who you know is a, a more than capable replacement but he said it sent out a message to the other players uh, you know who've been told to play in this unfearful way in this sort of dynamic way uninhibited way that you know perhaps just puts a seed of doubt in their minds in the future that if they go on playing that way and have a bad run as well when it comes to the big game they might be dropped as well it's all you know there's a mixed message there that, that was his point which I thought was an interesting well, look, way of looking at it I think it's a good point but I think that's what England's selection has been trying to do is to try and give them confidence and by being very loyal and sticking with the same group of players and not changing the batting order when someone has a couple of failures. And I think they were very good, actually, and they kept going with Jason Roy, even though he had seven or eight failures in a row, some of them not his fault, getting a good ball. But I felt that last dismissal against Mitchell Stark, where it was plum LBW, immediately reviewed it, 
and just felt like it was a bit of a scrambled mind going on there. Yeah, but then Johnny Bersko comes in and he gets something almost identical happens. Mm. I think second ball against Pakistan, he got gets the he got he got away with it. It was yeah. out, wasn't it? I yeah. mean, umpire. Yeah. He was on Pike's call. He just looked out, didn't yeah. it? It was exactly yeah. the same thing. Yeah. He, was, he just nipped back a bit, yeah. caught him in front. Yeah. He would have been out for, you know, what, a naught or whatever. I mean, in, in the first... You, you, you're going to get a good ball. Look yeah. at Rohit Sharma in the finals yeah. on Sunday. Exactly the same thing happened to him. He scored 300 runs in the so tournament. So, as I say, a good I, ball. I don't think it was only due to Roy having a, a series of failures. I think it was also due to that final dismissal... Uh, against Mitchell Stark and his reaction to that dismissal perhaps was a was a contributory factor. He was unlucky. You know, Jason Roy has been fantastic. You think back to this time last year, he got 165, I think, at the Oval, and he could have got over 200 in yeah. one of the one day. As well, of course, he went out and got 92 for, uh, for Surrey. For Surrey. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I was there. Yeah, he's still he, a damn good player. I, he's a ga- damn good player. I'd have him back in the team. You know, he'll be, he'll be playing in these T20 matches this week, these Royal London T20s. So, you know, I'd have, certainly have him back in the team. I think maybe they just felt... The pressure was just getting too much and he needed a bit of a break. Mm. But I think they have been pretty loyal to the players, to the team over the last eight, year and a half, two years. They've stuck with that group that they felt were their best and, and most of the time they've delivered. Yeah. Well, he, got, he made three half centuries in the India series. You know, not just 50, but you know, sort of 60, 70. Okay, yeah. perhaps he could have gone on. He made a half century in the West Indies as well. And he has a bad Is start Is he paying you or something to say <laughs> Well, no, I just, I, I mean, I've just felt that I, my inclination was that he should stay in. Mm. You know, they should do what they said they were going to do, which is play him throughout the tournament. And they and they did. The argument just... I mean, it didn't. I mean, it, it it almost certainly. Who knows whether it affected the game? He might have gone out and made 120. Yeah, Pakistan were brilliant that day. They played superbly, and England didn't. And they just seemed to. I don't know. They seemed to freeze. Is that going to be? A, do, you, do you think that's going to be in England's mind? Because it, you don't get knockout matches in one-day cricket, do you? The only time you get knockout matches are in the Champions Trophy yeah. and in the World, World Cup. Cup. But in the World Cup, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, you're going to have all these group games. Mm. Uh, and then suddenly, bang, knockout game. Of course it's going to play on their mind. It depends what the team is in two years' time, doesn't it? And, you know, I suppose one of the interesting things about that Pakistan victory over India is there was very little scarring in that Pakistan side because they hadn't played India too often before. Mm. They hadn't been in a semi-final before. So, you know, they hadn't got anything to kind of draw on that would be negative. And I think the Pakistanis have done superbly and England can learn from the way that the Pakistanis were so fearless in, in the way they played, in their approach, batting and bowling, pitching in people of 18 years old with hardly any experience. Fakhar Zaman himself dropping Ahmed Shahad after the first game and putting him in instead and, and just giving him his head. It was a tremendous victory and you know a, a country of so little resource and so much chaos, really. And apparently they've got 25 first-class teams. You know They've got a lot of professional cricketers. I can't believe that... They earn all that much. And there are teams called things like the Pakistan Oil and Gas Development Board. But, you know, it's just a great advert for the flourishing skills of of Pakistan cricket. So congratulations to them and um, sorry for all our terrible predictions. (laughs) But it's nice to see them confounded, really, and and see such a, a great end to a tournament, even though it wasn't an England win. So... After the break, we're going to change tack slightly and look at the importance of women's cricket with the Women's World Cup coming up this week. Welcome back. Well, one ICC cricket event finishes in the UK, another one starts this Saturday. It's the start of the Women's World Cup. $2 million on offer in prize money. Although the Men's World Cup in 2019, the prize money is six times 
greater. Having said that, the prize money this time for the Women's World Cup is considerably more than the last one. It's gone up by tenfold. And it's on TV. Every game's on either Sky or on the uh, online. So by the ICC website, yeah. So so that's great for for the women that, that, that the game is is getting more exposure. The women's game and. Actually, I, I spent uh, I spent the day on Sunday split between the ICC Champions Trophy final in the afternoon and in the morning I was at Merchant Taylor School in North Middlesex uh, to watch women's county cricket T20 game and it's a, it's a really beautiful version of the game. It's quite old fashioned in in the way that it's not so dominated by power, but there's really good shots. I'll tell you one thing that I've noticed about the, the women's game is the fielding is excellent. You know, the catching is very safe. The ground fielding is athletic. The throwing is very good. The encouragement uh, around the field is, is excellent as well. And I, I like the fact they really support each other. If you look at boys' teams or, you know, men's teams even, there can be quite a lot of, sort of griping and grouching at each other and moaning and so on. But in- Well, everyone starts together don't they? they stay together at the start and then the ball starts disappearing around the ground and everyone starts to have a ch- you know, yeah, get exactly. ratty with each other and uh, Steve Archibald's famous old quote that team spirit's only an illusion you only glimpse when you win is absolutely right but in the women's game even if their chips are down they're still really encouraging to each other and, in, and, and sort of pushing and, and just, just generally very positive and it has, a, it has a lovely feel about it the women's game why I think we're talking about this today and why the game is being streamed live and on television and so on is because I think women's cricket is so important in this country because, for the simple reason, 85% of the primary school teachers are women. The more women who can get interested in either playing or watching cricket, the more they'll bring in cricket to their PE lessons and and class lessons. And and so we just need to to get the the message out that cricket is a, a great sport for women so I picked on one of the Middlesex players yesterday and I asked her, why is cricket a good game for girls to play? I mean, obviously it's a good sport in general, but um, in terms of specifically for girls, I mean, it's more of a... It's, it's less of a match. It's more, it's more of a game, like it's more of a whole day sort of sport, which is quite nice because it means that unlike netball or unlike the shorter games... Um, that only last about an hour. They're very intense. I mean, especially netball, you're running around and basically switched on the whole game, whereas for cricket, you get breaks in between... Ball- well, not, I wouldn't call it a break, but you get little int- intermissions between overs, breaks between balls where you can switch off. And it is quite nice to... I mean, it's, it's sociable, because in those, in those little breaks that you get, you can, if you're a keeper, you can talk to the batter who's batting, you can talk to... If you're swapping over in the field when you're in the, in the middle of overs, you can talk to your teammates as you run past them. And then if you're not batting or you're um, you're waiting on the sideline to go into bat, it's quite nice to sit with your team. Rather than having to be switched on 100% high intensity all the time, it's actually nice to sort of sit in the sun and, and discuss life. And it's very sociable to um, spend time with all your teammates. It's quite nice to have a sport where, even though it's, it's well, stereotypically, I mean, it's moving away from that now, but it's stereotypically a boys' sport. It is a sport where you don't necessarily have to be very powerful to do well. I mean, a certain level of power helps because it means you can hit the ball 
further and throw the ball harder. But it's quite nice to have a sport where size doesn't matter as much because finesse and timing and rhythm, I guess, in bowling is, um, plays a bigger part than power and brute force. And, and how about playing with boys? What, what's, what's that like? How's that been for you? Um, my experience of playing with boys has been really good. Um, because I've played with my brothers, or I've grown up with two brothers and a dad who's, who are obsessed with cricket. I mean, it's kind of in my blood, so I'm used to playing with, um, with boys, but I guess I was quite curious. I wasn't nervous, but I was curious to see how the boys would accept me in the, in my secondary school when I went into the team. And they've been, it's just been amazing playing with boys because it gives you, a different perspective on the sport. Less of the boys are so worried about their wickets, whereas the girls are a lot more worried about losing their wicket and are less confident when going into the game, whereas the boys are sort of going with an open mind and it's quite interesting playing with boys and girls. And do you ever get sledged by boys? Just the normal sledging, like if I miss it or... Um, uh, missed that one well and stuff like that and all. if I didn't read a slub or I've had a joke where someone's been like oh she's basically dyslexic because I haven't read it but I mean it's just the normal um, the normal sledging it's not anything different because I'm a girl Now I should just reveal that that person was actually my daughter uh, who has just started playing for the Middlesex women's side. She's 16. She's been opening the batting for her school first 11 boys team as well. And uh, obviously I'm a bit biased. I think she's she's a good player. But I just thought it would be interesting to hear what her experience has been about playing with boys and, and why girls' cricket is good, good fun, which which clearly it is. Well, I've seen a play in the back garden. I played. She games. bowled you out. <laughs> she did. I played games of cricket with her in the back garden and, uh, well... You know, inevitably, because you know, I know you. We're, we're going to keep an eye on her, see how she progresses. I mean, do you think it's probably a lot of pressure for a dad to put on a daughter? Do you think she's good enough to go on and play for England? I do, yeah, I really do, and and I'm not alone. Actually, Michael Vaughan and Alex Stewart have both very kindly said that they think she's one of the most talented sort of young sportsmen, young cricketers they've ever seen. That includes boys as well. Vaughan's uh, son is, by the way, Archie's very good, and I tell you another son of a, of a good player, uh, Mike Atherton's son, Josh, is a very good player. He's on the Middlesex Academy books and has played a couple of games for Middlesex Seconds. So the, the family name is sort of progressing through the ranks in different ways, in my case, uh, obviously through the female side. Uh, yeah, I, I, and I just think that I, I really hope that she does get into the England setup because there's some really good players there in the England women's team. And they're starting to play a very exciting brand of cricket now, uh, you know, with a bit more power as well as the, the skill and some interesting players who, again, look, sort of try to be quite fearless in the way they attack the bowling. England are one of the favourites. Perhaps we shouldn't uh, jinx them by saying they could win the, the Women's World Cup, but they certainly should be up there in the semi-finals mm. anyway, with probably Australia and New Zealand. The Australia won six of the ten Women's World Cups that have been staged so far, England three and New Zealand one. I mean, just perhaps a final point. I mean, if you went out to the street and said to 100 people, a sample of 100 people or 1,000 people, how many people do you think would know that the Women's World Cup was being played in the UK starting on Saturday and lasting for a month? More probably three. How many would you say? 
probably that. It's probably similar, yeah. Well, I mean, let, let's hope that at least four people listen to this. And so then four people will know, plus the three that already know. So that's seven. Yeah, I've become, I, agree, I agree with you. The, the game needs to grow. It doesn't need to just stagnate. And there, needs, there need to be more girls, more women playing, and something like this competition, with, with the increased prize money as well. I know it's not the same as men, but with the increased prize money, it does, it does show two girls, young women, that there is a, a, you know, a career to be made in, in this sport. And they, then they become coaches, and, and there are lots of jobs on the fringes of the game now as well. I mean, the more that counties take on support staff, you know, obviously physios, trainers, coaches, psychologists, etc., the more jobs there are for, for men and women. And if you have just that bit of understanding of the game, you've got more chance of getting a job there. Now... What about the Royal London Player of the Week? Uh, I suppose it's between two people. You've got the choice. It's either the 100 by Fakazaman or I guess you could say Mohamed Amir. Well, I'm going to go for Fakazaman because you know, in the last week he's made two half centuries and he's made a century and it's helped Pakistan win the Champions Trophy. So, I mean, Fakazaman. It's got to be, hasn't it? I mean, what an innings yesterday. Was it fourth one day international? He reels off 100 against India. Did he remind you of anyone? You know his hero was uh, Adam Gilchrist. So there wasn't much Adam Gilchrist in his style, apart from his left-handedness. I thought he was a little bit like Amir Sahail, funnily enough, the Pakistan opener, who was also very provocative and would occasionally run up the pitch. In fact, he's one of the only batsmen I've ever sledged when he ran up the pitch and hacked me back over the keeper's head for four... And I sledged him. Well, wow, next ball six, it, was it? It was, it was just short of six, <laughs> next ball, so I realised I should have kept my tongue in my mouth. No surprise there, then. <laughs> Low light of the week. Well, I suppose, you know, going back to the Champions Trophy final, you could say India's performance generally, but specifically, there was a moment that I thought was quite disappointing, and that was Ravi Jadeja, who was partnering Hardik Pandya, who was smacking the ball fantastically everywhere, six sixes in the space of about ten balls. I mean, fantastic bit of striking, really enjoyable to watch. And then a lazy bit of running by Jadeja, who's one of those batsmen who sets off for a run and then stops. And they're a nightmare to bat with because you never know quite whether they're coming or not. The oval is also a difficult place to run, as we saw in that famous South Africa game where, you know, comedy of errors, two of those, well, three ridiculous runouts. But it's very hard to hear when you've got all that buzzing noise around, Pakistan is an Indian fan, very noisy, so probably the, the calling was a problem, but Jadeja was just rubbish with his calling. I noticed after that run out, he didn't sacrifice his own wicket, but kept his own wicket intact. Then he didn't back up, up for other people a bit later, and then got out with a tame shot. So his performance generally was, was pretty lame. I'd have loved to have seen the eye contact between him and Pandya when he went back to the dressing room about... Ten minutes later, Pandya took out the boundary rope, didn't he, on the on his way off as well. well so I, 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 didn't, I just noticed him furious in the middle. Well, you are, aren't you, when you've been running the, the, the bat? Like I think it was one of those where the bat would have ended uh, entered the dressing room before he did. Actually, yeah. yeah. Well, we've all seen situations <laughs> like that. Where yeah, Dean Jones, was, Dean Jones is the best for that. That was bat coming in horizontal yeah. before before he did. Yeah. Now highlight. We're going to end with the highlight. Uh, I think that the two balls yesterday. My highlight of the week: Mohammed Amir bowling to Kohli. First ball dropped. Second ball caught by 
Shadab Khan. And it sort of, I don't know, did it sort of sum up Pakistan cricket? Those extremes, really, from, from low to high, and you just saw it in, in two balls. I mean, what they must have been thinking of when they dropped Kohli, they think, oh no, a bit like Tissera Pereira, and we dropped the Champions Trophy. And the next ball, what would you know? He bowls another decent ball. Kohli edges it, and a really excellent catch by Shadab at point, and that's it. Once Kohli was out, you, you just sense Pakistan really believed this was going to be their day. I mean, it does encapsulate Pakistan. They're, the extremes of emotion they generate in their coach, I reckon Mickey Arthur must be on equal doses of Mogadon and Prozac. Not an easy, it's not an easy job, but when you have something like yesterday, it's worth it, isn't it? Must be, fantastic. I suppose. Absolutely fantastic. It's great for him, actually. Yeah. Anyway, please continue to leave reviews of this podcast on iTunes. If you'd like to know what you think, you can also subscribe to the Analyst Inside Cricket so you get the programme automatically each week. Just click on the button where it says subscribe. More from us and our terrible predictions, <laughs> or not as the case may be, next Monday. Yeah, goodbye. Podcast Network.